Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. And what's up? Welcome in GC Live. I am Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark. And you are on the Monday episode of GC Live. We are, of course, as always, presented by our good friend Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. ClintHammond.com is where you can get some more info from Clint or on Clint, I should say. 803-771-6933. His NMLS number is 71597. You can also email him, chammond at mortgagenetwork.com. Again, 803-771-6933. Chris Clark, uh, exciting week, man. Plenty of stuff going on. Uh, First of all, to everybody out there, sorry we missed you on Friday. But Chris and I weren't just chilling by a body of water. We were getting some stuff knocked out that we're very excited about for the future of Gamecock Central. We're going to have some details, some hints on that, maybe some events we're working on as well that uh, I think y'all will be excited about. So hold tight on that stuff. But Chris, man, between recruiting, another welcome home tease, um, SEC media days, new roster is out, uh, plenty for us to talk about here on GC Live and, of course, on GamecockCentral.com. A lot going on, Wes, and I'm surprised there's not 80 comments about the lighting so far. I'm in a minute. When you get on a monologue, I'm going to try to fix this light here soon. Uh, it's really bad today. I was out in the sun. I'm not sunburned. I probably am kind of sunburned, but right now I look completely red. I'm not that red in real life. I can verify, but all good. A lot going on. Yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm this this kind of announcement, not the welcome home, but the other announcement on the Gamecock Central front. We've teased it. I'm ready to let the cat out of the bag. I don't guess we will yet, right? But I'm excited about it. It's coming together. Well, I, I mean, I've sort of, I've sort of, we've sort of leaked it out there a little bit. We've sort of teased it a little bit. We've given some details. Um, I had to throw our subscribers a bone yesterday because some of them were so mad at me that the welcome home did not come out yet. But, um, but yeah, I, I'm pumped. You know, in our discussions, it's been talked about that we're going to give the details maybe in a couple of weeks. I'm ready to push that ahead, um, and maybe I think I think we need to do that soon. So, so hopefully we'll have some information for you guys very very soon. Josh Campos, what's up on the chat? You're not late. You're actually completely on time, uh, believe it or not. So, uh, yeah, SEC Media Day is going on. We we did think that the welcome home would be revealed on Sunday evening. I still stand 100% behind that reporting as far as the information goes. Now, the point being kids can change things, and sometimes there are logistics. We don't, we don't know the exact details on why things have sort of been pushed out, but sometimes there are logistics that are out of a kid's hands that, um, you know, when it comes to making announcements with graphics and videos and edits and all this different stuff, it seems things are still fine there, still good to go. And we, of course, we've, we've got plenty of content ready for y'all as soon as uh, we get word that this thing is completely official and the prospect has put it out there. But new roster out on Sunday as well. SEC Media Days uh, actually already well underway, but the South Carolina portion. So for those who have not seen, 
the uh, the schedule right now. And, and by the way, here's the thing about SEC media days. There's like a constant um, list of things, different rooms that Beamer, JJ Anibari, and Nick Muse will be in throughout the afternoon. So it, it's really that the schedule is it just sort of depends on what room they're in. But as far as the main room goes and sort of the major topics of, of conversation where there's going to be the most media media exposure, I should say. Beamer is going to do a uh, just sort of little local media meet and greet gaggle type thing. That was for 3.30 Eastern time. That's actually now been pushed up a little bit. So 3.15 this afternoon, our time, Eastern time, you should start to see some notes come out from Beamer uh, with local media. Now, 4 o'clock, that's when Beamer speaks at the main podium um, in Hoover. And if you put it on SEC Network, I believe what they're doing is sort of a back and forth. Generally, they do live look-ins, but also they're going to have coaches on set with them as well. Um, if you want to just watch the entire thing from the main podium, go to SEC Network Plus on your ESPN app, and that's like the full-on live stream of everything. Uh, main room in Igbare will be there at 435 Eastern. Muse will be there for 50 Eastern. And then 505 Eastern is when Beamer joins uh, the SEC Network set. So, Chris, I, I'm i not a huge, like, media days guy. I, I wasn't fighting anyone to be able to be the one for Gamecock Central that goes to it. Um, but may, maybe we get a little bit of info today. You never know. We'll probably get a few – what would you say? A few little tidbits from from somebody regarding South Carolina Day, be it something from Beamer, something from one of the players. Some nuggets, yeah. I, I would say, you know, I, I think Beamer, he's not going to say anything, you know, that's just absolutely groundbreaking. At least we wouldn't anticipate that. But maybe some more specifics on, you know, things like weight gains and um, maybe guys that have recently enrolled or are set to enroll. Uh, how recruiting is going in a general sense. Again, he won't be able to talk about names, uh, but there will be some guys that maybe he has not talked about yet uh, that are on campus that he'll be able to talk about, maybe update some things that people are wondering about, uh, you know, talk about the team generally. I, th- I think, Wes, the guy that's more prone to actually drop something substantial might be Nick Muse because uh, Nick in media settings tends to say some funny or interesting things or some, uh, I don't know what the best are, off-color you know, type of remarks that are pretty funny. And I would imagine, you know, look, Nick's status on the team, he's one of the he's, – he's a very professional type approach guy. Um, he's going to be one of the leaders of this team. He's going to be one of this team's best overall players. He's a super senior. Um, so he's kind of earned the right to be there. Uh, but he also is is a guy that's, I don't know, use a spurrier phrase, one of South Carolina's best talkers. You know, he's a guy that can – they could go up there and give you some interesting content. So, uh yeah, I, I don't know that you're going to hear, again, a lot of groundbreaking stuff. You're not going to hear a bunch of maybe scoop because of the type of setting that, that this is. But I do think there will be some interesting nuggets, you know, uh, that, that'll be gleaned from the time with these two players and with Coach Beamer. Yeah, you know, you never know what Nick is going to say, uh, which is great for us. Uh, maybe uh, – what what was his line last year? The uh, The couch coaches or something? Was that was that how he phrased it? Uh, well, I did it. Uh, I think it was couch coaches and fat dads. Was, wasn't there was something about fat in there and something? Yeah, about- yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe we get another couch coach reference. I don't know. Maybe maybe with nil, maybe maybe he should he should start saying that like a lot and just put that in our consciousness or something. And then maybe some shirts, maybe some koozies. I don't know, Nick. There might be something there for you especially if he has a huge year, I can tell you, you know, I, I, Chris, I think sometimes the fan base, I think everybody's been a little bit hard on Nick as far as um, what he's done on the field because a couple of – and by the way, if, if you spend some time around Nick, one of the most laid back, like just down-to-earth, regular – like anybody that's ever – said a bad word about Nick on Twitter or on the message board because he dropped the pass or something. Hadn't really spent any time with the guy because he he's a guy you could sit there and like have a beverage with and just chill with your friends and 
completely down to earth, doesn't carry himself like, oh, I'm an SEC starter. Um, just a genuine dude. What you see in the press conference is, is sort of what you get. But I, I think the fan base has been a bit hard on what he has been on the field as well. Like this, he has been a very, very solid player for South Carolina at tight end. I went back and looked uh, at the pro football focus stuff from last year. First of all, he was their fourth highest graded player on offense as far as those things go. And then second of all, Chris, people remember the drops, but he had he had three drops in the first three games, according to what PFF considers a drop, and then didn't have a drop the rest of the season last year for the final seven games. So was easily one of South Carolina's best targets down the stretch and um, is going to have to be one of their biggest targets this year. I, I've talked to some people that think he is in line for a massive super senior year. I tend to agree with that because, Chris, I think he's going to be getting the football thrown his way quite a bit. So you take opportunities with a veteran guy, experienced, talented. That, that generally means production. Yeah, it, it's a great point. I mean, when South Carolina is kind of drawing up the offensive game plan week to week, or even, you know, to boil it down to kind of more of a micro situation when you're in a game and say you've got a third down or you got a big play coming up and you're kind of thinking about as a coaching staff, where do we where do we want to go with the ball here? What's our best opportunity? You kind of take a look around that room uh, or on the field, and Nick News is going to be one of your most proven guys and one of your most dependable guys on that front when it comes to catching the football. And now some of that has to do with South Carolina's receivers. Obviously, we've, we've covered it. We'll continue to cover it. There's a lot to prove there. Uh, there's, there's a lot of upward strides that those guys have to make in the receiver room. South Carolina's going to need some guys to play better there. But with all the questions that they have there, just means it's more important for the tight ends and the running backs to produce and for quarterback play to be really good and that offensive line to be really good. It does put more pressure on those guys, fair or not. And so we do anticipate the offense is going to be built a lot around the tight end. And Nick Muse is is kind of the alpha guy there. And, uh, you know, he, he's done really well for himself in developing into a player who's going to have a chance to go play professionally. He's got, I think, I'll echo you, Wes, a great demeanor, a great attitude about it. Um, he's always been that way. This is a guy that, you know, had opportunities to walk on at some programs, but he wanted to go earn a scholarship somewhere. So under-recruited out of high school, obviously went to William & Mary, and then quickly, you know, after a couple of years, got a chance to move up to LSU or South Carolina or NC State or East Carolina, chose the Gamecocks, and has, and has really played well, um, drops notwithstanding. Actually, we've got, Wes, there's – it's funny, there's three different stats on the drops – Travis Edwards put up five drops. You cited three from PFF. Nick, in the story we did, told me four at one point. So whatever it is, three to five. And you're right. Uh, had some drops early and didn't, didn't have any others. Um, for anyone who missed this summer, I did a story with Nick kind of looking back on, you know, the process that brought him to South Carolina, looking forward to his final season in Columbia. I'm going to put it here in the chat. He talks about those drops talks about a lot of different things go check it out it was a really cool story um, because of what Nick said you know great personality I talked to his parents for it and uh, they gave some good stuff too yeah and he, he doesn't hide behind you know if if Nick drops for pass he he owns it and I, I think you know, that, that's even it's interesting though is as simple as something like a drop seems to be as a stat there's there's you know discussion about what what counts as a drop what doesn't um, you know generally if, if a ball Hits a guy in the hand, you expect him to catch it, but then we don't sometimes dive into the fact, hey, that that ball was still rising as it got to the tight end, or um, maybe there's two people crossing in front of the receiver's face as he's going up to catch a football. Like you know, it, it's easy for us to sit and be the the couch coaches and and sort of criticize it, but it, it's not always as simple as it looks in HD on our. 65 inch televisions at home so anyway that's that's not the reason we're doing a stream today but um obviously I thought we're saying just because there's a dip you know there's a little I think with Enigbare you know you look at the two guys South Carolina has Muse and Enigbare everybody's like yeah this kid's a beast and South Carolina missed him down the stretch last year um when he was one of the COVID guys um so so yeah he's he's going to be a huge part of what South Carolina does 
And, um, you know, I, I think, uh, but, but probably not as open of a, of a media talker, frankly, as what you get with Nick as what, you know, South Carolina is going to have today. So Chris, I was asked on JB and Goldwater sort of a couple of questions about what to expect. And they were talking about maybe some of the under talked about guys on this South Carolina roster, some of the talented guys that maybe don't quite get their due. We're starting to see that though. Kevin Harris, you know, has landed on some watch lists. People are, people know that name now, I think, but do you think Beamer is going to take that approach of sort of trying to pick out some guys to build up? Um, or do you think he'll go completely in the direction that we've seen him, I believe, for the most part, with the local media Zooms? It's been more low-key, team. Even, Chris, we've commented on this before. Even when he's been asked about specific players, he'll answer the question but it's almost like he quickly moves it back into not wanting to single out players. I tend to think he he heads that direction yep. you know, of, of kind of just focusing on the team unless there's maybe a snub here or there where he just really feels like a guy isn't getting enough love from a media standpoint. Yeah, that, that's exactly where I'm at. And I think part of that, it, it's not as much – to where you know Beamer is a pretty open guy in in those press conference settings. He's not gonna you know sandbag people. I don't think. I don't think we've seen that. I think when he doesn't say things specifically about players, it is because of what you said. It, it is because the culture he's trying to create, the vibe that he wants to create with this program, is one of team first, right? And so to kind of mirror that, that's why he's he's you know lean more towards the team. Now I do tend to think. There might be some guys where he said, hey, so-and-so's had a great summer so far. So-and-so had a great spring. But I do think he'll circle back. And, you know, I I think of the receivers, for instance. We're going to continue talking about receivers. You know, in the spring, I think some of the names that we heard in the spring of of doing well at receiver, whether it was at receiver, on special teams, just their attitude, we heard to carry on Joyner. We heard Jalen Brooks, right? Like Those were the main two that we kept hearing about. Uh I could see him saying, hey, guys, you know, these two guys had a really good spring. They're going to try to carry it over. But I do think in that instance, he'll take it quickly back to the team. There's going to be some guys that, uh, you know, everybody wants to hear about. Uh, he might get some questions, for instance, about Karan Prunny, you know, uh, transferred on campus, right, Wes? You had a report about that a while back. So um, I think it was, what, last Wednesday or something around there. So, that's a guy that presumably Beamer can talk about. Might chat about him some. Might chat about some of the other forthcoming guys that are anticipated to enroll soon. But the, the team element is something we'll continue to hear, I believe. Yeah, no doubt, man. And, you know, I, I think with, with Prunty, that that's like a – at the very least, that's going to be a local media question, I think, in that you want to just get his take on the kid, um, the evaluation, what went on behind the scenes, stuff like that. That's a very common question for local media about a new. Anytime you get a new player, people want to know what the coach thinks about him. So, hope I actually hope we get that question because I, I'd be curious to see what Beamer has to say about him. So, uh, new speaking of Prunny, new roster is out. Does not include him. There's a reason for that. This uh, so basically, and I went back and looked because um, I, I saw it. So, Steve Fink put the roster out on Twitter on Sunday. And so, Chris, I believe this is like basically a PDF, like a copy of the media guide roster. And there was a July 1st cutoff um, as far as when this guide was going to be produced. Well, um, Prony committed to South Carolina actually before July 1st. Um, It was in late June but uh, was not officially, I guess, at South Carolina or enrolled or, or signed. I, I don't even know if he – I don't know if he signed papers or not or, or even how exactly that worked with him being a late edition transfer. Point being, he is not on the roster that South Carolina put out, but he is on campus. Um, he's moved in. He's good to go there. No issues. The interesting thing is that there are um, a couple of guys on the roster – that had signed with South Carolina, so South Carolina can talk about them, they can legally print the roster, but that actually are not 
on campus yet or have not confirmed to be on campus yet um, in uh, Isaiah Norris and, and Bam Scott. So I, I'd done some checking on those guys today and I confirmed, uh, I, I haven't heard anything new on Bam, but I actually confirmed once again, which is what we were told before. Um, this is completely up to date that Isaiah Norris is scheduled to be on campus uh, to enroll sometime in August. Uh, he is actually currently waiting to find out the exact move-in date uh, as far as he is concerned. So he doesn't even know exactly what day that's going to be, according to someone in his camp. So I, I think there was some question when people saw those names on the roster. Hey, did that mean they're definitely in? Does that mean they're on campus? Right now, that, that is still a no, but um, I, I'll be curious to see if Beamer addresses that today because those – those are the final two guys from the class um, that we had been waiting on a confirmation of, hey, they're enrolled at South Carolina. The, those are the last ones. And, you know, the, the transfers, obviously there's a big group of transfers that were already enrolled for South Carolina in the spring. But I think a lot of people are going to be asking about Prony because, uh, like you said, a local question. That's probably not as much on the national media radar. Maybe you get a question about, the DB room in general or something like that. But it's just as far as a, hey, what does Karan Prony mean to the program? You might not get that as much, but you may from the local media. Um, at least I hope so. Like you said, I am curious to see what he says about that. You know, looking back on that recruiting process, what Karan means as a player. Obviously, that was a big get for South Carolina. And just so talking about how he fits in and things like that, I'll be curious to see. But also, you know, Tyrese Ross was another later get for South Carolina at DB. Um, when, when you, Wes, kind of add up the number of DBs that are going to count in this class, whether it's high school guys or guys that are transferring in to play this year but will count towards 22, it's, it's going to end up being a pretty high number, but obviously a, a big need position spot for the Gamecocks. Yeah, it's uh, Chris, it's almost an ugly number when you really start to – if you look at it, again, those guys will be on campus, or they are on campus, but point being – they're going to play in 2021, the transfer guys. But your point being, by the numbers, they have to count towards 2022. So if you really, if you, if you, add, if you're like a roster management freak, like you, uh, you know, you sort of look at how, you know, what percentage of numbers should go to this, what percentage of numbers go to that, and you start to look at how many guys actually go to uh, the 2022 class. It's not it's not a very pretty number at defensive back if you're sort of dividing out of the 25. Um, but it sort of highlights where South Carolina was, where South Carolina is as far as rebuilding the secondary. Really, not just from a talent and ability standpoint, but frankly, just from a number standpoint as far as getting back into a position where every coach has a, has a certain – number of guys that they want to be and usually it's like a, a window uh you know maybe within a guy or two as far as the number goes that they want to be at each position when Beamer took over the secondary just did not have the proper numbers there to the point that they couldn't even truly like scrimmage in some ways in spring practice so they're trying to get back to that number it's not ultimately it's not ideal you don't want to be doing that in year three year four of where the program is. But right now when you're in a rebuild and people don't like that word, but that's what it is. When you're in a rebuild, you, you have to sort of oversign in certain positions. And, but the scary part is it does take away from the ideal numbers at, at other spots, but you sort of have to live with it. You do. And, and you're kind of, you know, you're, you're kind of, uh, trying to balance out getting some immediate help, but also building for the long term. And, you know, th these guys have varying slates, you know, of, of eligibility left. Now, Karan Prunny is interesting because he did play last year, played well in the Big 12. He's got basically a full slate of eligibility left because last season was a COVID year. So, you know, next year um, he'll have, you know, three years left if he, if he uses it, if, South Carolina probably hopes he he's so good that he doesn't have end up having that many years left. That'd be a good problem to have. That means he's played well enough to go be an early draft entrant. That'd be fantastic. Uh, point is, 
you're balancing kind of some different classes because you have such an immediate need in the secondary, but you also simultaneously, uh, you've got to recruit guys for the future too. So this needed to be a larger class in terms of numbers at DB to build for the future. You know, all the 2022 guys, meaning the true high schoolers, they're not playing this year. They're going to play next year, but you need all those guys. You know, you need the, the Anthony Roses of the world. You know, I mean, you, you need Emory Floyd. Like, you need these DBs that they've got in this class for the future, but you also need some help this year. And so uh, it does create a little bit of an issue. It's not ideal. Um, and you don't want to sacrifice your future just to bring in, ah, oh, we're going to bring in six transfer DBs. You know, that wouldn't be a good idea, but you do need to show some progress this year. You do want to improve your roster. And so I think we've seen, you know, a mix of both. No doubt, man. So, uh, so roster wise, other than who's on it and who's not, any any takeaways for you? By by the way, there there were some people care about numbers a lot, as far as jersey numbers. I mean, some people don't. I've never been a jersey number guy, but obviously, for those who are, sev- several number changes. You see the debut of some Gamecocks wearing zero. Uh, Debo Williams on, on one side of the ball, Jaheim Bell on the other, both going to take over the zero number. Um, some defensive linemen are going to be wearing single digits, uh, sort of following, I, I guess, in Javon Kinlaw's footsteps there. If you want to talk about a local guy, big man wearing number three. Uh, Jalen Brooks uh, moves to number three at, at wide receiver. Rick Sandage is number five at defensive tackle. Jalen Foster moves to number 12. Um, J.J. Nickbarre is wearing number one. But but other than that, Chris, other than sort of the the cosmetic side of things, what uh, what has stood out to you, if anything, about this uh, this new roster release, man? Yeah, so the, the numbers are, are interesting, but in terms of actual things that are going to to matter as far as the team, you know, and the composition and how it plays, I, I think the main takeaway, and it was really one of the only takeaways, to be fair, was Jamar Brown, you know, listed as a DB. Um, that was a note that you had yesterday in your report that you pointed out. You know, he, he's been – started as a career, his career as a linebacker. He was recruited as a linebacker, started out as a linebacker. Uh, the previous staff in the latter stages had referred to him as, as a safety. Remember, Jamar Brown was working at safety, so now listed as a DB. So I think the question becomes, Wes, well, what? You know, what exactly does that mean, you know, for the future as far as how is he going to help? Is he going to be kind of a bigger nickel? Is he going to be safety? South Carolina's got questions at both of those spots. Um, but this is a guy that I remember we saw in high school. Um, he put on some good weight from the time he got to high school to his freshman year at South Carolina. He was in the 2018 class, 2019 class, can't remember. Uh, and, you know, listed at 6'1", 208, so about 210 pounds. A guy that's physical enough to play linebacker, but he's always had good coverage skills. I mean, coming out of high school, that was the book on him. I think at South Carolina's camp the summer that he committed, I think he ran four six at camp, which was good for a guy his size. That's pretty good and, and showed strong coverage ability. So that's a player that I think has always flashed some potential. He's battled through some injuries. So uh, I thought that was an interesting note and a storyline to keep an eye on. Yeah, and as Erlen says here, uh, he, and as you just said, he's got to stay healthy, was banged up. You know, I, I, dude, I remember going into last year, us saying, because there was, I mean, they were dire at some spots uh, in the secondary. You, you knew cornerback was in good, a good place, but safety, nickel. I remember us talking about that a ton, and we were sort of saying, uh, may, maybe Jamar Brown and sort of this little move to, he was sort of playing in the dime package and stuff like that. Where like, he, he could be a big part of this defense, and then he got hurt, and then it lingered. And then um, fr- from what we saw, the parts of practice this spring that were, were open, Chris, he missed a lot of time. Um, and, and I remember, I, I believe it was Clayton White, the defense coordinator and linebackers coach, who said it. He, you know, he, he sort of said, it's a guy we, we want to get back out there. We want to see. I remember Pete Limbo, actually, when they were talking about special teams, guys, he wanted to see on the field. He brought up Jamar Brown, if I remember correctly. So this is a kid we've always talked about, talked up. We've always thought he was a talented kid. He was probably one of the best cover linebackers, frankly, that we've seen at, at any of the camps uh, during the Muschamp era. Now, covering being a elite cover linebacker, 
doesn't mean you're an elite cover safety, you know, but it, it probably means there's some ability there to transfer over to that spot. So that that that's an interesting guy to keep an eye on if he can stay healthy. You always want, in my opinion, for a guy or two to come out of nowhere and help your team because um, anytime you're getting getting something out of the guy you just weren't expecting, it provides depth, gives you an extra playmaker on that side of the ball, and, and puts you in a better position, obviously, to succeed on that side of the ball. So Jamar, by all indications, has always been a good, hardworking kid. So just for his own personal sake, um, you hope he can actually get a chance to show – what he can do. I'll tell you, Chris, the guy that caught my eye and someone that I, I actually am, I, I wish that I, I had talked him up a little bit more, maybe in something on, on the insider forum before this came out. But uh, we had been told this number prior that uh, Taka Hemingway is up to just under 300 pounds now. Um, everything, everything we've heard, and I'm going to sort of combine a little bit of both of our info because we've heard this from a couple of different really good places. Everything we've heard has been that Tonka A has bought into the move to the interior, had has its weight up to almost 300 pounds. The roster confirms that. And then, dude, this is the kid that puts in the extra work, puts in the extra effort. And I, I, I really think we're going to be hearing this fall, this preseason, how Tonka is pushing for a starting spot at, at defensive tackle. It would almost – I don't make, like, the bold predictions this early a lot, Wes, but I would be surprised if Tonka was not a starter. Um, mm-hmm. I think the main question coming into this year was once we heard he was moving inside, you kind of go, will that work, you know, uh, and and how? And and I, the obvious, reason, obvious thing that you got to do there is, well, to hold up down to down, you know, you need to put on some weight. So can he, will he – we saw his weight fluctuated a lot in high school through no fault of his own. He was a three-sport guy. So he's playing baseball, he's playing basketball, he's playing football. Uh, a lot of people thought Tonka out of high school, once he got out, he was football only, so he's only football nutrition, he's only football lifting, that you know, once he got in the program, and whatever his role was, whether it was defensive end, whether it was defensive tackle, whether it was a hybrid, that they would pick a plan, be able to settle on it, and he would go. And, and we've seen that. I mean, he came in as a freshman. Um, you know, there wasn't a lot of good last year, let's be honest. You can pick out some things. Kevin Harris's performance, how J.J. and Igbari played. You can pick out some things. Tonka was quietly one of those because this is a true freshman that made some plays against an all-SEC schedule, which is not easy to do it's, it's a, he's a, as a freshman. But people, the way that people – and it's carried over, whether it's, the you know, people we talked to who were connected to the previous staff, people we talked to now, they they talk about Tonka in these almost like reverent terms. Like everybody absolutely loves this guy. It kind of reminds me of how people talked about DJ Wanham, you know, and, and people have even compared him and his mentality and things like that to, to DJ. A lot of people thought, uh, you know, remember last spring, even Wes or last summer, he, he, he made such a quick impression where people said, this kid's going to be a four-year player and he's going to go play in the NFL. Um, he, he, he raised the bar and jumped over some people that had been the program longer, you know, as a true freshman, which is pretty impressive no matter the program, no matter the level. So expecting big things from, from Tonka for sure long-term, um, but we've, we've continued to hear good things this offseason. Yeah, 6'3", 297 pounds now, Chris. Um, that that's actually you're getting into ideal interior player size there uh, very very quickly, and I, I think this was a situation where, like you said, people instantly well is he big enough to play inside? And uh, we we actually saw him walking around a couple of times at at rec- recruiting camp this week or this uh, summer. He does he ca- he carries that 297 pounds very well. This is not a guy that you look at and say he's 300 pounds. But he obviously is, but that just means he carries it very, very well. Um, Jordan Strong, another guy, you know, he he had talked about how much weight he had gained since he he got into South Carolina's nutrition program. I remember in the spring, him uh, him really just uh, praising Kristen Coggins and her nutrition staff, what those uh, folks have done as far as helping him add weight. Listed 6'5", 246 pounds. Um, he's another that because of injury – 
we, we didn't see much of them in the spring. South Carolina didn't see much of them in the spring. But probably let's bring back my word from, from last year, Chris, last offseason. He's a wild card for me in that you don't you don't like pencil him in to to a specific role. But there's potential there if uh, if he can continue to do some of the things he did last year at his current weight, at his new weight, then uh, really can can help add playmaking ability and some depth to this defensive front. I'm, I'm going to go back again, Chris, to my conversation with JB and Goldwater, and they were talking up the, the defensive line to me. And, and I said, look, you know, two things can be true here. It can. It is absolutely true that this defensive line is very, very talented, both from a recruiting, like, ranking standpoint and a reality standpoint, like, not just on paper. But it is also true that teams ran up and down the field on South Carolina last year. So a, a an absolute key for South Carolina is going to be for that defensive line to be able to, as they've gotten older now, some of these guys were playing very young last year, as they've gotten older, to um, bring some of that production onto the field that we know they're capable of. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, and I think you look at defensive tackle, it is, it's going to sound kind of funny, it's it's the deepest position on defense, which is no shock. It might be one of the deepest positions on the team or the deepest but you look at it and go, well, how you know that doesn't make sense. How, how do you reconcile that with the fact that, like you said, teams went up and down? There are a lot of things that go into that. It's kind of complex. Part of it is, at least part of it, and we could do a whole show on on this, I think. But at least part of it is that you know there are some guys that have not taken that next step and developed. There are guys that are injured that were injured. I mean, how many? It's already been a theme of this show. We're sitting here talking about all sorts of guys that. Well, we just don't know because they've been injured. That's the number one key for this team. We can sit here and talk about offensive scheme, defensive scheme, coaching points, who's going to catch the ball, et cetera. Let's, let's start with the baseline here in the discussion of can this team stay healthy? Because the last several years they have not at various times, and that has been a hindrance. Does that mean the fortunes would have dramatically changed for this team? No, I'm not, I'm not saying that. Are, were there some more games to have been won, whatever number we could debate over the last three or four years, if this team wouldn't have been completely just riddled with injuries by the end of the year? I really think so. I really think so. But, you know, you look at that defensive front. I mean, there are all sorts of guys. Zach Pickens was talking to somebody the other day, and they looked at him and said that that kid has, because of his size, his talent, his movement ability, he has first-round talent. People always make fun of us because we say they say we say everybody's going to be a first rounder, and we don't. But very few guys have that type of ability. But it was said that if Zach develops, if we don't know yet, if he develops at some point, he has that type of potential. You know, um, you look at even you know Tonka, defensive tackle for the first time, lots of talent, hard worker. Uh, you look at Jabari Ellis. We played last year at two sixty. That's not that's not a fair you know version of what he could be. So there and and it goes on and on. I mean that list goes on and on of guys that we haven't seen or we haven't seen maybe the best version of them. So the key is can they get that out of them? Because if they do, between what they've got on the inside and some of the edge guys like Enigbare, Sterling, Jordan Strong, Jordan Birch, they got a chance to be pretty salty up front. So that's a big key for this defense. And I'm I mean, dude, the edge guys. There should be a real battle there for for especially if Strong is healthy. Oh yeah, the battle for playing time between like a veteran Aaron Sterling and up and coming Jordan Birch, a transfer and Strong. You know, I think we can assume assume Enigbare is a starter, but you you know you want those guys all pushing each other. So that's 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 another aspect of this. You want everybody pushing everybody else uh, in order to be their best. And then if they do their job, then it's up to the linebackers. If you're going to stop the run, it's really an all-11 thing. It's not – you can't just put it on the defensive line. But certainly a great defensive line, even a really good defensive line, can make life so much easier on everybody else on that – of the 11, um, you know, to, to be able to stop the run. Travis Edwards making a very good point 
He says he is excited about Jordan Strong because he's working with Mike P, who has quietly been a coach to get the most out of his group. I will say I agree 100%. I think uh, I think that avid GC Live watcher, according to reliable sources, Mike P, um, is quietly one of South Carolina's best, most consistent developers as far as assistant coaches go over the last five or six years. I mean, I'll even go back to, to Darius English and uh, getting an outstanding final year out of Darius uh, at South Carolina. And um, really just one, one of your better developers that South Carolina has had and, and probably a good thing that South Carolina was able to keep him. He doesn't get the credit he deserves for South Carolina landing Jordan Birch either, in my opinion. Chris, as you know, Muschamp, 100% very, very involved as a head coach in getting Birch. But, again, sort of quietly, Mike P, a huge part of that as well. Yeah, Darius English, I mean, it's a good pull. That's something that, you know, that – I don't know if some fans will remember, like that first year, Darius English was always a guy that Gamecock fans looked at and said, why? You know, why has he not been better? Part of it is, you know, he did physically develop towards the end. I mean, by the time he was a senior, obviously when you're a senior, you're much more physically advanced than a freshman in almost all cases. But he did a really good job with him. And, you know, another one, I mean, heck, the kid deserves a lot of credit too, but DJ Wanham. I mean, what what a great example of development there. He played early and often and was a four-year guy and now is in the NFL. And people widely expect Wanham to, to stick in the league for quite a while. And he didn't just get in the league and kind of hang around like he's playing well. Um, so now part of that was that was a good evaluation on South Carolina's part. But I mean, Wanham was ranked as a tight end and South Carolina beat Indiana on him. He was flipped, you know, he's committed to Indiana at one point. So point is, they've done a really good job developing, developing him. J.J. Inabari was a high profile recruit, right? I mean, Georgia really wanted him. Uh, but again, talent's one thing. It's about getting them in and maximizing that production. So whether it's Enigbare or going back to English or Wanham, Aaron Sterling, who's an undersized guy who just plays with great technique. You know, that's another example of Mike P's coaching. And he's, he's done a really, really good job with those guys. And and I think to Travis's point, though, quite, kind of quietly, though, it's like Mike P is not one of the guys that the fan base talks about um, a ton on this staff, but he is, he goes about his business and, I think has been quietly recruiting some really good prospects, um, putting South Carolina in the game for some really good prospects for this current class as well. Um, let's see. That's that's sort of what I had. I, I know there's a couple of questions here left. Maybe we can hit. I, I saw earlier a couple of – I don't know if it was the same person asking twice or two different people asked this question, but somebody wanted us to talk a little bit about Luke Doty in regards to – the quarterback, I don't want to say competition, but just quarterback as far as the leash goes. Um, as we know, Beamer has sort of he, – he's already pretty much said this guy's our starter. He said he's our, our number one quarterback. And until somebody else steps up and even gets in the conversation, even puts themselves in the same sentence, you know, he, he's the guy. Chris, I tend to think – the leash there is probably pretty, pretty long. I, I mean, and, and if, if somebody comes in and has just amazing fall and starts pushing Doty, that's one thing. But uh, everybody's sort of been caught up in the spring game and, you know, Jason Brown this, Jason Brown that. Um, Colton Gothier was the number two quarterback, and that was for a reason. So I – and I th- and I actually think Gothier has a, a really – potentially bright future at South Carolina. Really like the kid, like the arm talent, like the attitude more than anything. Like he's got sort of this confidence about him. Anyway, that's for the future. I think Luke Doty is going to be giving er, given every chance to prove that he's the guy, prove that he's the dude. And um, we all have to remember he's still a second-year player who did not take a red shirt and spent the first part of his true freshman year playing freaking wide receiver, um, which looking back did not make sense. So I think we all have to acknowledge that and remember that. 
Yeah, I, I think we've seen so many comments that are kind of just opinions are cool and great. And but let, let's make sure that whatever opinion you have, it does need to be based on reality and kind of based on just having a good factual base. And so a lot of people have argued this point that, well, Jason Brown is going to be the starter or Jason Brown was the number two guy coming out of spring. And that's not, you know, first of all, it would take a, it would take a huge leap for Jason Brown to overtake Luke Doty or anybody because of the reasons you already laid out West. And this, none of this, by the way, is a slam on Jason. who's a great kid and a talented kid, right? He has a chance. He will have every opportunity um, throughout the rest of the summer and into preseason camp to make some noise and stake his claim to whatever, whether that's moving up to be the backup, maybe even farther, whatever it may be. But saying that anything other than Colton Gothier was the number two coming out of spring is, is simply not accurate. We're not making that up. It's just that's just what it is. And people can disagree and say, well, he shouldn't have been whatever. We're, we're basing it off of what we know, what the facts are the amount of reps that were given in practices, that that's what it was. We'll see if that ultimately changes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Luke Doty, look, this guy, it's not a finished product. I mean, he spent time, he was at wide receiver, he was at both. Um, even as a, you know, he even as a high school quarterback, it's not like he's played quarter, you know, he, he had a background even playing receiver and things like that back in high school too. So um, he's not a finished product throwing the football, and it's something that they – harped on and worked on a lot during the spring. There's still a lot of time to improve. He's played half a season. I know it's kind of a microwave situation where everybody says, you know, they take a look at a guy in a game and say that's what he is and that's what he always will be. But we can't do that. And the cool thing about Luke for Gamecock fans and for him is he has a lot of natural talent and he's still got a lot of potential and a lot of the tools, some of which you can't teach or coach. Um, to where he's going to have a chance, you know, to get there and, and become a good player. And a lot of eligibility left, too. You know, <laughs> you know he's still a young guy. And, and Chris, not not even played half of the year. He played essentially two and a half games <laughs> yeah. as, as a start. I say starter. He, he started the second half of the Missouri game and then was the true starter of the final two games. And, and y'all, my, my problem with the playing receiver part, was that he didn't actually play receiver in the games. You know, like it, I like I understood and I defended the move when it happened, when it was being said, uh, you know, got to find a way to get this kid on the field. Um, you know, he's one of our best receivers, et cetera, et cetera. But then we go into the games and it, it doesn't happen. I think a lot of people had a gripe. Why, why make the move? And then why say that? You know, if you're if you're the coaches, why say all oh, this guy's going to play? He's going to be a big part of what we do, and then not do it. I, I I get the gripe. I agree because then when it came down, when it became time to put him in the game, you've severely limited the amount of reps he could have been getting in the offense. You know, before that. So um, anyway, I, I tend to. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk quarterback a ton because we always talk quarterback. But we got to remember, Luke. Luke was a Luke came in as a high upside kid, hardworking kid, and someone that's still been progressing. Um, you know, as far as uh, his ability as a passer, but as as far as the physical ability to go do it, I mean, there's a reason he is a four star prospect and a national guy and so highly regarded. There's a reason that even after he committed, that big time programs. You know that Florida State, uh, I believe Ohio State, even um, we're still trying to reach out to him while he was committed to South Carolina. Talented kid. We just got to all give him time to develop and and see what it's going to look like moving forward. Um, again, for those who are late joining us, Shane Beamer, he'll be speaking starting actually um, right around the corner. Now it's two fifty as we're doing this live as we're recording. Um, his local media sort of gaggle has been moved up a little bit. That's going to be 3.15 p.m. Eastern time. So uh, Will Helms will have some updates, some notes from that. And then uh, 4 o'clock is when Beamer will be on the main stage. That goes from 4 o'clock to about 
Then 4.35, uh, J.J. Nickbarre will be on the main stage. Right after that, Nick Muse. And then um, at around 5 o'clock, Beamer will be on the SEC Network, uh, just main stage, main set with, with those folks. So that's all I got. Chris, what you got, man? Yep, that's it, man. Good show. There's a lot more to talk about, but, hey, let's save some of it because there's going to be a lot more to talk about throughout the uh, rest of the summer, into the preseason. It'll be awesome. Yep. Uh, Chris, before we go, I want to throw a shout-out to our friends at Primal Gourmet, um, big-time sponsor on GamecockCentral.com. And uh, for those who have not done this yet, go go to Gamecock Central, go to the top of the forum, and uh, get your first order with Prim- Primal Gourmet and use promo code G. Cock 20 and you'll actually get 20% off your first order. I'm going to go ahead. Actually, I'm going to throw that into the chat there as well. And uh, Chris and I had lunch there a few weeks ago. Outstanding. If you're, if you're like us and you're trying to eat a little bit better than you usually do, I am very guilty. Prama Gourmet um, gives you an option to where it's great tasting food, but also very much uh, on the healthy range of things and customizable depending on what is most important to your diet. So um, that's it for the show. For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll be back on Wednesday, and uh, we'll see you all then. Thanks for joining. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.